This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go. Covidiots. That's the nothing personal word of the day today. It's called the covidiot. It's a new word. Turns out that there's a lot of new words in the dictionary from when I started reading and looking at dictionaries. Apparently, if a word is used long enough, it actually just becomes a word. I was not aware of that. It used to be toward, not towards, but now you can say towards or toward. It used to be regardless. Irregardless is not a word. Now if you look, people actually say irregardless. It's not a word, it's regardless. But I'm joining the I guess it's the parade of ignorance. Can I call it that? Or do I just say that we're expanding our vocabulary? I guess starting a caveman when it was, uh, uh. I guess now Shakespeare and now irregardless and now covidiot. What's a covidiot? It's a word used to describe people who are hoarding groceries at the grocery store who are punching people to get toilet paper, or who are on sandbars in groups parting. That's what we're going to call a covidiot. And if you're a covidiot and you're listening, let me be the first to say that I appreciate your loyalty. Let me be the second to say, please stop being idiotic. We need complete control over this situation or else it's going to be forced upon us. Our democracy gives us freedom. Our freedom gives us the ability to make decisions. If we make the wrong decisions, it will cost us. Don't be a co-vidiot. It's just not worth it. That's the word of the day. Start using it. When you see people, call them co-vidiots. Hey, you're a co-vidiot. Hey, you're not within six feet. You're a co-vidiot. Hey, you didn't wipe down and wash your hands? You're a covidiot. Okay, what do you do in an elevator, by the way? How do you stay six feet away? The way to do it is you let the elevator pass. You wait for yourself to be alone. If the elevator opens, there's someone in it. You stay out. Okay, a loyal listener or watcher, I don't know if you're watching or listening, but I appreciate it. The way we do this show, and it was very important from the beginning, is we do this 45 minutes, 46 minutes in a row, and we do not edit it. We do not mess with it. When mistakes are made, mistakes are made. When I go over the line, I go over the line. As you all know, forgiveness is way easier to ask for than permission. 
But I want to tell you, not just in the wait to see segment at the end of the show, when I'm accountable for predictions I make or things that I say, I also make mistakes on shows, either out of ignorance or out of simply misspeaking or a combination of both. So somebody tweeted at me and told me two errors that I made, and I want to mention them both. The first one I heard from Coca immediately when I talked about on Friday's show of Nothing Personal. I said that wasn't it amazing when Pete Carroll called the play for a pass at the end of the Super Bowl instead of running with Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is a defensive player in the backfield. I was thinking of Marshawn Lynch. Of course, Coca could have interrupted me and corrected me, but he wanted to let me die on the vine, which I did, but I'm correcting that mistake. The second one is one that bothers me just as much, if not more, and that is an actual grammatical mistake I made. And I was talking about blame and saying, where does the blame lay? Because I couldn't remember, is it where does blame lie or where does blame lay? And there's a lot of blame going around right now. Everyone's blaming everyone for what's happening. Your lot in life is basically blamed on somebody else. We all do it. If you're unhappy at work, you blame your boss. If you're unhappy at home, you blame your kids, your spouse, your significant other. If you're unhappy with traffic, you blame other people's driving, not your own. Blame is obviously the name of the game. That's an ABBA reference, which is a 1970s band from Sweden, maybe. I can't remember, but I'll, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So I said, where the, does the blame lay? The answer is, where does the blame lie? Next error, we talked about charity. We talked about the MLB Beard Challenge. The ML Beard Challenge, we're going to go through a bunch of teams. We had a busy weekend, obviously, because we had two days of a weekend. So this is really day eight of the challenge. But we talked about tzedakah and the fact that the greatest level of tzedakah that I have always been taught and I always thought, that's charity, the greatest level of charity is giving anonymously. So I acknowledge that by me telling you that I'm giving this money to charity every day, $1,000 a day for 100 days, that that is not the greatest level. That's the second level is giving charity. It turns out another loyal listener sent me the actual levels of tzedakah, and there's one level even higher than giving anonymously. So here's what it is, and it's fascinating because we hear the parable every everywhere, right? It's easier to give someone a meal. The harder part is to teach them how to cook a meal, and the hardest part is to teach them how to grow food and then to cook that food to make a meal. Makes perfect sense. So apparently the top level, the highest level of tzedakah is when you actually give, whether it's anonymous or not, to someone to put them in a better position to then support themselves in order to make a change in the way they exist or the way they operate, that they then can become more self-sufficient or able to support themselves. The second level is giving anonymously. The third level is giving. Giving. There you have it. So I think that it's important to have accountability. I, as an 18-year as an veteran one of, in, in baseball and in sports as an executive, one of the big things that we are taught 
unfortunately, is how to pass the accountable buck. And it happens all the time. And I started early on, and it cost me my reputation in that people didn't like me or they blamed me for everything or they had a view of me without actually getting to know me because they'd never met me, only what I say or what I do publicly. But the fact is that I kept myself accountable. When things were bad, I was out front of the cameras. When things were good, I was out front, maybe a little less. But when they were bad, I was the face. And I think having accountability matters when things aren't going well. There's too many people in the sports and business world who want to be the captain of the ship when it's just smooth sailing. Put a little turbulence in, a little 12-foot wave, and you see the number of leaders who end up underneath their bed not leading at all. Very, very common in the sports world, in the business world, in the political world. And it's not because they're incompetent. It's because they lack the ability to be decisive. And they lack the ability to let things roll off their back because they're scared. They're scared of making the wrong decision. Sometimes if you're too scared, you end up making no decision. And that lack of decisiveness is actually the wrong decision. I don't know if you know this, but people would rather you be wrong as a leader than you be silent. If you just make decisions, that is what people are looking for when you are a leader. So in, in my job as president of a team or now running this podcast with Coca, it is critical that we are showing leadership and that we are accountable when we make mistakes, when we don't know a full story, when we don't have something right. All of that makes perfect sense to me, right? It's that I want you to look at this show when you're listening or watching, and I want you to say, hey, he's giving you up-to-date sports news. He's decoding things that are going on. He's giving me a perspective that I don't usually have. We're going through an unprecedented time I've been ahead of the curve on coronavirus, pun intended, and that's not always a pleasant way to be because I'm going to be wrong sometimes, but I'd rather overreact than underreact. I would much rather get people and scare them into acting differently. You can tell the people who don't listen to the show, those are the people who are partying right now in groups. The people who are social distancing are paying attention. But what's interesting to me is that when I would spend time with players or executives, I would talk to them about what it is to be a leader, what it is to be accountable. When people look up to you, it doesn't mean that you have to act like their idol. It doesn't mean you have to be their idol. It just means that you have to be accountable when you're not. And I'm perfectly okay with players who should not be idolized, having nothing to do with my religion, obviously. They should not be idolized because they're just like we are. Players are just like you and I. They're quarantined right now. They're trying to figure out how to get through at home. They're trying to figure out how to continue to be relevant to you, the fans, how to keep fans engaged and interested. That's what we're doing at CBS. We are trying to keep our audience engaged and interested. To do it today, as an example, we did a two-hour mock NFL draft with the best NFL analysts there are, from Brady Quinn to Pete Prisco to Jamie Eisenberg, I mean, TR was, was calling the play-by-play. My point is this. We're all in this together. None of us has a playbook for what to do next or what the next topic's going to be or how to come up with new and original content to keep you interested. We're doing what we can, and you are voting with your fingers and with your time. And as I've always told you, I will never take that for granted. Well, 
it's really uh, it's really something when I send Coca the rundown at night and I have a wait to see. My wait to see today is that the Olympics are going to be postponed. We come in, breaking news today from Dick Pound. We've talked about Dick Pound before. He's on the IOC, the Olympic Committee. Well, breaking news, you're reading about it everywhere because there's so little breaking news now that when something comes out, everyone's going to be on it. The Olympics are going to be postponed. Raise your hand if you're a nothing personal, loyal listener and you're surprised by this. We've been saying it from the beginning. The Olympics are going to be postponed. It's not even a question. That's not the breaking news. I am not a nothing personal going to repeat for you what you've gotten 12 alerts on. I want to talk to you about the process by which it got postponed and why it is that it took Team Canada and the USA swimmers, Norway, country by country, sport by sport, to talk to the IOC and say, no, we will not go to Tokyo. Postpone it. We cannot train. It is not in the best interest of a country to bring in people from all over the world this close to a pandemic, which, by the way, may not be over by the middle of July. Why is it that it took that stone to become an avalanche to cause the IOC not even to officially postpone? This is a member of the committee who's floating the balloon. He's letting it be known that it's going to be postponed, not from the IOC directly. He's just a member of the committee. The IOC came out and said... We're going to wait four weeks and then decide. I cannot explain to you how irresponsible it is for the IOC to come out and say we're going to wait four weeks and then decide. Because what's going on in those four weeks is that athletes from around the world are trying to figure out how to train. Are they going to make bad decisions when it comes to social distancing or quarantining? Be quarantining? That sounds off. Doesn't that word sound weird? I'm in quarantine. I'm quarantined. I haven't used quarantining. It sounds like, like a fruit martini. But athlete, anyway, I digress. So athletes who are quarantined, are they going to break quarantine to train? They've been working their whole lives for the Olympics. They're used to training five, six, seven days a week. They're ramped up and ready to go. And guess what? It sucks. Just as badly as it sucks for seniors in college to not be able to enjoy the rest of their senior year or seniors in high school. But you know what? It pales in comparison to what people are going through who are getting laid off. People who are right now where their kids are not in school and they don't know how to get food to their kids. When they do not know what they're going to be doing in a week, two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. They don't know. So our priority cannot be, we've talked about it on Nothing Personal, it can't be sports right now. And the Olympics is the worldwide example of sports. So what exactly happened that the IOC would get pressured into changing a decision or making a decision? Let me give you a very quick political lesson. Without being political, I want to give a 30,000. By the way, I despise the fact that I have to say without being political. Generally speaking, and I'm not talking about any major political issue at all. I'm not talking about economics. I'm not talking social. I am talking about, in general, 
Republicans believe that federal government should be smaller and more decisions should be made by the states. Democrats believe that federal government should be bigger and making decisions on behalf of the states. That is a very general statement, but that is exactly true, and it gives you context here. What's going on with coronavirus? What's going on is the federal government has acted somehow, in some ways, people are criticizing, they were late, they were, people are criticizing they're not doing anything from a national standpoint by, with any economic stimulus, not using what we talked about, the Defense Production Act of 1950, not really doing things they should be doing to get testing and get medical and hospital supplies being made. But what is happening is that state-by-state state decisions are being made. There's no national quarantine. But then California started and said, we are going to do a quarantine. They started in San Francisco, built it out, built it out. We started with no groups of 500 people, then 250, then 50, then 25, then 10. There have been steps taken. Every day there's a new state that says we are going to do close the businesses, then close everything but the essential businesses, then shelter at home. Italy went through this exact same thing and it ended with you need a pass to leave your house to go grocery shopping once a week. Forget the fact that that's where we're headed. What I'm talking to you about is what's going on with coronavirus is exactly what went on with the Olympics. The federal government is saying, let the states do their job and figure it out. We will bolster them and help them economically, but it's going to be state by state. That's a decision from COVID-19 that is a mistake in my opinion, but that is a Republican issue. The IOC did the same. They were not prepared to make a statement. Then they said, let's see what the different federations say, federations being states. Let's see what the different countries around the world say, different countries being states. The IOC, them being the federal government in my example, is saying, all right, we now have enough people saying. So the example would be if 50 states decide to quarantine, it's then okay to say from a federal standpoint, there's going to be a, a national quarantine because they've already done it on a state-by-state -state basis. The Olympics cannot run without Canada. They're just not going to do it. It's not that they're in, in the middle of a steroid scandal like Russia. It's not that they're banned for PEDs. There's no possible way that that the spot that NBC, the broadcast partner or any sponsor at all would stand behind an Olympics where the show goes on to the detriment of a country showing leadership in this example by pulling out of the Olympics. It's the opposite. They take that leadership. They glom onto it. They wait for other states, meaning other countries to follow. And then they will call for the full postponement till 2021. It's as simple as that. The equivalent between the Olympics and what's going on in coronavirus, it makes sense. How does it end? It ends with the IOC announcing, not through Dick Pound, but in an official, after the IOC has a meeting, there is an official declaration that the Olympics will be postponed. Now, they may be trying to make all the decisions in advance making sure they can lock down housing in Tokyo, make sure they can lock down the use of the arenas, make sure that the broadcast partners available to broadcast in the window necessary in the summer of 21. 
All those decisions are fine. But that's not, as the public, what we need. All we needed was leadership. The Olympics are postponed. Give me details when you have them. We said that in sports. Postpone, suspend, halt your season. I don't need the details of when it's going to start. You'll give them to me later when you have them. The parallels between sports and business and the world and politics, it's always been there. It's just now in a bit of bigger focus. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So you want to talk to Samson. It's a, uh, my beard's in the itchy stage, by the way, and it's just starting. So you want to talk to Samson is when you tweet at me at David P. Samson. Get into my DMs, and I'll come up with, uh, I'll pick, choose one of the questions. I just said pick. You pick your nose. You cannot choose your friends. That's a mixed metaphor, by the way. It's choose, not pick. So I will choose one, and we'll do it on the show. It's so you want to talk to Samson. Here is the exact question. In the very definition of it's just business, I am a chef in Fort Lauderdale. Because of the restaurant shutdown, corporate is forcing me to release an assistant I don't want to. How do I talk to this person, leaving the door open for a return after the storm passes? This is a question facing a lot of people right now. How do you fire someone? That's a bonus pod question. But this is a little different. By the way, the bonus pods are at the end of the month. Please rate and review five stars, write a review, and ask a question on Apple Podcasts. And then at the end of this month, there will be a bonus podcast released answering your questions. I did it in January and February. We did it. And we'll do another one at the end of March. But I want to answer this one today. I want to tell you how to talk to a person who you are temporarily letting go because of the situation you're in. You don't bring them in because you can't. It's social distancing. So the worst part is it's got to be done over the phone, which is simply the worst. But don't wussy out. Do it over the phone via FaceTime or via Zoom. Let them look in your face and you must look in their face. Do not let people go with the phone call. With the technology that everyone has, whether you're an hourly employee or a billionaire, Everyone should be able to get on a FaceTime, Zoom. There's something called Google, Google something. That it's called Google Hangout. Thank you, Coca. There's Google Hangout where you can, I, I assume Google Hangout means two people can talk to each other face-to-face, -face, but on a computer. Is that right? Okay. First thing, you set up a meeting face-to-face. -face. They answer, and you don't pussyfoot around. You don't start with, how are you feeling? You don't start with, I hope you're safe. You don't start with anything because they know exactly why you're calling. 
and coming out with it honestly and from the beginning is all you can do and be straight. So the call goes like this. Johnny, it's David. Johnny, I have no choice right now. I'm going to have to let you go. I'm not asking you to understand the decision. I'm telling you that I had to make this decision based on the best interests of the company at large because that is the only hope that we have for any employees of this company or who were laying off like yourself. In order for there to be an opportunity for a business to come back to, we have to make sure that we can survive until this pandemic ends. I do not expect you in any way to wait around for me. If you have an opportunity to gain employment, whether it's with Amazon or Walmart or Publix or any other possible place that will benefit your family, then I encourage you to do it. You can bet, and here's where it goes one of two ways. This is David talking. If you don't want this person and you've been dying to get rid of them, then you say nothing after what I just said. If you do want them to come back, then you go into this, which is, while I hope that you are able to find something during this period, I want you to know that I will be calling you because the minute I get the green light and we are back to operating, I want you by my side. I need you by my side to help with this company. Why is it necessary to do this today and not wait for two weeks or three weeks to see what happens? All right, side note, this is David talking. Don't ever ask a question of someone unless you know the answer they're gonna give or you're asking a question that you're gonna then give the answer to. You don't wanna ask an open-ended question, like for example, when you're firing someone or telling them you're, you're gonna have to let them go because of the pandemic, how does this make you feel? Don't ask that, you know how it makes them feel. I'm really sorry to do this to you. Don't say that, you're not sorry, you're doing it to save your own skin and someone may be doing it to you sooner rather than later. Ask questions and then answer them yourself. So the question is when you want someone back and you say, why now? Why am I doing this now instead of waiting two to four weeks? Well, I'll tell you, the answer is because I wanna make sure that we can have as healthy a chance to have a quicker comeback than our competitors. And when we come back, I hope that we can come back even stronger. But the answer is I don't know when that's happening. I can't answer that for you. Then you move on to the last part of the conversation. The last part is an explanation of why didn't you fight for my job? That's the question you have to answer. Why didn't you tell your boss that I was essential to running this restaurant or running this company? Why are you letting me go when I believed I was essential? You have to hit that head on with complete honesty. You know very well that I have no choice but to do this. I gave you my reasons for doing this. The fact that I wanna make sure we ramp up, we ramp up faster, always repeating what you said is good because it takes up a few seconds and it gives the other person a chance to calm down because when you're letting someone go, they need those seconds to calm down and before they start their venting. Back to this, back to the phone call. Zoom or Google timeout, whatever Coca called it. Was it Google timeout? Google Hangout, sorry. You know very well why the decision's being made. And I don't want you to make a judgment on your self-worth based on this decision. Do not look at yourself as either necessary or not necessary for this company to function. That's not what this is about. 
This is about an opportunity to try to save this company as we move forward. I have no way of knowing. This is when you repeat the number one point. I have no way of knowing when this pandemic or when this economy will get back on its feet and the pandemic will be over. I wanted to get this information to you as quickly as possible so that you have the biggest opportunity you can to move forward. And I reiterate that I hope when it's time for this company to move forward that I get to have an opportunity to call you. And it will be my great pleasure if you tell me I can't come back to work for you because I have put myself in an even better position. You may always feel free to call me. You may always feel free to reach out to me. I am honored at the work you did to help this company and to help me run a better company. I wish you nothing but the best, and I hope that we will all look back on these times as a moment in our life as opposed to the definition of our life. That's it. That's how you do it. It is harsh. It is straightforward. It sucks to do. But if you're a leader, you got to do it. And if you're an employee who gets that phone call, you sulk for the first 20 minutes, you let it wash over you like a warm blanket, and then you stand up, you pull up your knickers, and you figure out what's next. So you want to talk to Samson. I got to stop watching angry, depressing movies every night. I need to maybe move toward comedies. Somebody told me they watched Eddie Murphy's Raw two nights ago. If you've never seen Eddie Murphy's Raw, it doesn't translate to this day and age very well. It would never be allowed to air. Um, but just to see the leather outfit. I mean, this we're not talking Barishnikov here. Eddie Murphy Raw. It's not what we're reviewing. I watched a Netflix movie. It's called Lost Girls. Why? Because I love Gabriel Byrne from Usual Suspects and many other movies. Amy Ryan, phenomenal, phenomenal actress. This is a true story about a murder, multiple murders in Suffolk County that is on Long Island in New York. These women were prostitutes and call girls who were killed in theory by the same person and buried in beaches around Suffolk County. And one woman, her name is Sharon Shannon Gilbert, disappeared. Her mother knew that she was a call girl, and her mother took money from her to survive because she was working two shifts and still couldn't support her family. And this call girl got killed. And she tried to find her, filed a missing persons claim. The police were sort of dismissive, as in who needs to really find people who are call girls or prostitutes. But guess how it ends? It ends in a way that is completely unsatisfying to your normal TV movie of the day. Spoiler alert, they haven't caught anybody. They found Shannon Gilbert, and she was dead, and she was murdered. But they never solved the murder, even though the mother has worked nonstop. And I will not spoil the complete end of the movie because it's shocking what happened. Then you realize it was set up throughout the whole movie. I think it's an interesting story to know about. Interesting for me in that, why is it that what you do for a living dictates whether or not the police care that you've disappeared? Is it only rich people who get found if they go missing? What if it's poor people? 
Is it only women in the business world versus women who are selling their bodies to make money? I'm just not sure that's a judgment that the police should be making. It turns out the police got serious when the mother got serious. Never found the culprit. Culprit? What's the word for a coke? I'm it's slipping my suspect. It's not they never made an arrest. I guess it could be culprit too. So Lost Girls on Netflix, but I want to give you the double feature. The double feature is start with Lost Girls and then just to make sure that you can realize that it's okay to smile, watch two episodes, so that's about 44 minutes, any two episodes of any year of Shit's Creek. Because when you watch a random episode of Shit's Creek, you're going to smile, you're going to laugh, you're going to be thankful. And after Lost Girls, trust me, you're going to need it. From Shit's Creek to the river, the river of dreams, Philip Rivers. I'm upset with Philip Rivers, not because he has 45 kids. Coca, can you get to me the names of every one of his kids? I seriously think he's got 10 kids or eight kids. We've got so many football people in the office today. Somebody knows, but he's got a ton of kids. And he now is a candidate. Philip Rivers is a candidate for the quote of the year. So Philip Rivers is a guy who played for the San Diego Chargers and then the Los Angeles Chargers. And then his contract was up. And here's what he said. He was pondering retirement because he was wholly ineffective last year. To me, he's a bottom 15 or 16 quarterback in the NFL. By name, he's a Hall of Famer. By talent, he's a Hall of Famer. But by today's qualities, he's maybe a little better or worse than Tom Brady, but right in that neighborhood. Oh, I'm going to hear it from people. So he's deciding whether or not he's going to retire. That's what athletes do. I get it. He said, quote, I think really where we settled, and we means his wife and kids, I suspect. I think really where we settled in is I still love to play. Certainly not coming off my best year in 2019, but I know I can still play at a high level, Rivers said. It was one of those deals where we said, if there's nothing else out there, then that'll be our answer. I don't want to just try to hang on to play. Let me cut right to the chase. Philip Rivers was given $25 million. $25 million dollars by the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts, as in Oliver Luck's son's ex-team, the commissioner of the XFL, Andrew Luck, walked away before the season started, and our whole office bet the under, and I think they went over. Philip Rivers was offered $25 million guaranteed dollars by the Indianapolis Colts, and he doesn't mention that ever in his quote. I remind you of Andrew McCutcheon when he signed a deal completely overmarketed with the Philadelphia Phillies before last season, was honest when asked, why did you choose the Phillies? And his answer was simple. Did you see what they offered me? For Philip Rivers to turn down $25 million is irresponsible. I don't blame him for taking the job. If anyone gets offered $25 million to hang on and do your job, you do it.
no matter what. He's got mouths to feed for crying out loud. But if you're going to give a comment about it, why not just acknowledge it? Hi, I'm Philip Rivers. I recognize that I am really one of the single luckiest people in the world. Thanks to God. I think he's religious, by the way. Thanks to God, I am. I've got a wonderful wife and a baseball team full of children. There's no question I've made enough money in my life where I can give to charity and I can take care of my kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. But can you imagine the Indianapolis Colts offered me $25 million to play 17 more games? That's almost a million and a half dollars per game. Do you know the difference I can make? I'm establishing a foundation right now in Indianapolis where I am taking 10% of that money and I am giving it back to the Indianapolis school system. I'm taking 10% of that money and splitting it between kids in school and establishing a football program for young kids because I want young kids to play to have the opportunity that I have. I was never going to retire. I was going to see how much money I can make because I want to make a difference. And I'm using this money to make that difference. Coca just said in my ear, he can only find nine kids. By the way, for the record, that's a baseball team. Nate, Dunner, Gunner is one. Sarah, Anna, Haley, Grace, Caroline, Claire, Rebecca, Peter, and there might be more. I only mention it to say I'm glad he's got a baseball team. I think it's great. I love the sort of mixture of names, biblical, tribal, religious. But when you're getting paid $25 million to be a football player, which I give you all the credit in the world for getting because of your career, come out and say it. Show those kids why you're doing what you're doing and make that difference. Okay. I want to do the uh, beer challenge update right now. Um, If you're watching this, you can see that there's definite growth from seven days. I'm a little concerned about the salt and pepper nature under the chin. Not con- and I've got a sort of speck of salt. It's as though like when you're salting your matzah on Passover and you're pouring it and by accident a lot of extra salt gets in one place and then you have to use your finger to spread it around. That's sort of what I feel happened with the beard, like there's salt in one particular place, and then I scattered it. That's what I'm growing. We are on day eight of the ML Beard Challenge. That means that Friday's show was day five. We are counting day six and day seven of Saturday and Sunday. Today is day eight. So we have to go back and review what did we do on day six and day seven. Because the Beard Challenge is for all of you to go to your local team Go onto their website and give money to their foundation. They will have the best opportunity to take care of hourly workers who are not working right now because of the pandemic. They will have the best opportunity to logistically get money to people, both in cash and in food form. That's what team foundations do. I am giving $1,000 per day every day to all 30 teams for the next basically 22 days and the previous eight. And then each day will be a different team. I will give a 1000 to the foundation. At the end, the last 70 days of this work stoppage, it's not obviously a strike or a lockout, but it's certainly a work stoppage. 
for the people who are working, not for the players, for the people working, though the players will eventually be impacted. The last 70 days will be to local programs here in South Florida where the pandemic is hit hard, not entirely out of our control, which bothers me. To all of you boaters who are at the Sandlot Hallover Park Bar, if you're listening to this show, you're a COVID-idiot. So, what I said is, Coke and I are going to grow a beard until opening day of Major League Baseball, whenever that is. And in the meantime, we're going to give away up to $100,000, assuming opening day is delayed by 100 days. Which is obviously over three months. Day six, Chicago White Sox. If you're in Chicago, you've seen, you've had a lot of history with me, right? The Chicago White Sox, remember, I'm the one who said that Jerry Reinsdorf taught me that finishing in second place every year is a dream come true. Well, he won a World Series for you in 2005 with my erstwhile guy, Ozzie Guillen. But the White Sox made a lot of moves, and you are all mistakenly thinking that the White Sox can actually challenge the Twins for the crown of the AL Central. <clears throat> the brilliant part about your plan is that over 162 games, you have no chance. Over 100 games, where the variance sort of decreases, you have a much better chance. You were aggressive. You spent money, and you're thrilled. You got the best catcher on the market, Grandal. Four years, $73 million. That's an overpay by at least a year. Dallas Keuchel, three years, $55 million for a middle-of-the-rotation guy. You're lauding Edwin Encarnacion, one year, $13 million. My view of one-year deals is they can never be bad. Because if Encarnacion is as bad as I think he's going to be, it's one year. What's the big deal? Gio Gonzalez, it's a flyer. Steve Cichek, the nicest guy in the world. One of the best players and best guys who uh, ever, ever played under us. Another one year. White Sox. I don't like the moves, but I love that they made the moves. It's an A for effort. It's a C for execution. And the likelihood will be a disappointing result. Wait to see. That said, we're giving you the 1,000. Cincinnati Reds, you're next. Day seven, that was the team yesterday. Hey, raise your hand if you've met Nick Castellanos in South Florida. Raise your hand if you've seen him working out at the gym. He's a local guy. Raise your hand if you would have given him $64 million over four years. I don't see one hand. Anybody? Nick Castellanos? What about Mike Moustakis? Mike Moustakis, the guy who was a free agent with a qualifying offer, couldn't get a long-term deal, did two one-year deals the last two years, finally got paid. I'm happy for him. He had to leave the Brewers to get paid. The Reds tried to steal him from the Brewers. I get how this goes. The owner of the Reds sees Mike Moustakis 16, 18 times a year, tired of the Brewers winning and taking all the attention. Let me poach from the Brewers, make myself better, make them worse. I love where your head is at. That is awesome. Except four years, 64 million, out of the question. They've got Trevor Bauer. They've got Wade Miley. They've got Luis Castillo, Anthony Descalfani. Great rotation. Interesting lineup. Enough to beat the Twins? No. Good job, Reds. Four years from now, you're going to be unhappy. But good job this year. Today's team of the day. By the way, you're getting $1,000. Today's team of the day getting $1,000. The Cleveland Indians. For all my friends in Cleveland, you know who you are, MH. You know. You're excited. I can't figure out why you're excited. 
Are you excited because you traded Corey Kluber to the Texas Rangers? Are you excited because now that there's a delay in the season, Clevenger has a chance to actually get better and pitch opening day? Are you excited you did not trade Lindor? Well, for whatever reason you're excited, I love it. I want you to have the hope that last year was an aberration, that you can hang on one more year, that you have an opportunity to compete with the Twins one last time, hold off the Reds. This is it, the final final. This is the last opportunity for the Indians to possibly sneak through and win that division in a shortened season. They will regret not trading Lindor. That ballpark where they play is beautiful and fun and full. Cleveland Indians, you've got $1,000. Use it correctly. ML Beard Challenge. Join us. Every day it's going to be another one. Okay. Wait to see. Excuse me. We're not going to edit that out. A couple of my wait to sees have happened, and they are... are, uh, I didn't know what to do with them as we were preparing the show for today. One of the ways to seize is that the XFL is funded enough that they will have a full season as opposed to that old league last year, the AAFL or the AFL or some league that had to literally went bankrupt after two games. The AAF. Thank you, Coca. The XFL has ceased operations this year. They have canceled the season. Do I get credit for the wait to see that the XFL made it a full season? Is this a full season? The reality that they only played four games, do I get it? I'm making it not applicable. What about Shohei Otani? I told you he would pitch before May 1st if the Angels were ever more than five games under 500 because they weren't going to let Otani wait and for them to be out of the race. That's out the window. That's an N.A. Not applicable. It's not a yes. It's not a no. What about Conforto? I told you he'd miss opening day due to to his oblique injury. That's not fair. That's not fair. I can't say it's a no that I was wrong if he's cured and he plays opening day on June 1st. I meant on March 26th he wasn't going to be ready. I'm giving myself an N.A. Here's the N.A. that I'm not going to need. Tom Brady, we've talked about him ad nauseum. Guess what? He will not make it out of the wild card weekend with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's if he even makes the playoffs. Everyone's all excited about Tom Brady with the Bucs. He will not make it out of wild card weekend. The expanded wild card weekend. And the NFL will look right at Tom Brady and all the money they got from getting that extra wild card game in on Saturday and Sunday. And they'll say, hey, Tommy. This was just business. It was nothing personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.